How's everybody doing today? Everybody's okay? Hmm. I'm in one of those uh, sort of really quiet, super quiet moods today, but we'll see if we can uh, get, the, uh, get the juices going. Here's what I want to do today. I want to continue what I started uh, two Sundays ago when I began to, again, speak about uh, what we feel God calling us to do as a church for 2020. But I have a twist uh, now because something happened recently that uh, where Je Jehovah Sneaky has sort of uh, expanded my horizons on this whole thing. So a couple of years, well, you know, you know you've heard that um, our... Our three emphases are connection, equipping, and outreach. So uh, uh, last uh, fall, uh, I was praying and asking God, Lord, what, what, should, what, should we, what should we be focusing on for as a church for this coming year? And those are the three words that popped into my brain, and I feel that that's where we're going to be pushing into for this year. We've been doing all those things already, but we'll be more intentional about, about connecting to each other, connecting with us and God, and connecting... Um, you know, among ourselves. Um, and, and we, you know, we try to create ways to do that. So we have communion every single Sunday. And one of the reasons we do that is because in the communion time, you get to pray for each other. You get to look at each other in your eyeballs and, and, and share a concern. And we get to pray for each other. We have a monthly potluck where people go downstairs towards the end of the service. You gather around a table, a round table. There's food, mostly awesome food. And, and, and you get to interact and have meaningful, potentially have meaningful connections. We have connect groups as well. So we're trying to create many avenues and ways for us to really be connecting uh, to each other. Because otherwise right now, what most of you are doing, all of you are doing, is staring at me and staring at some, the back of somebody else's neck. Right? And that's not what we want to have accomplished. We want to have real meaningful connections with each other. The next thing would be equipping. We want people to be equipped trained to live the life that God has called us to live, both in terms of, of uh, David mentioned character, living the way that Jesus lived, not just in ha having the power, not just to do signs, wonders, and miracles, yes, but we also want people to have the power to live uh, a life that represents Jesus well. Yeah. Amen? And then finally, outreach. So anyway, so we were listening to this thing uh, I was listening to Mike Brodeur. Mike Brodeur is sort of like a, a pastor's coach. He's a wise man. He's been, he's been around the block. He was part of the vineyard. He had the largest church in San Francisco back in the day. And, um, and so he, uh, he's been invited on by the leadership of Catch the Fire to be a sort of like a, a coach for Catch the Fire pastors. When I first became a... When I first... When the Lord first said to, to me on, on a bunch of different, in a bunch of different ways that he was inviting me and Elsie to lead this church. At first I was resistant because um, of a bunch of different reasons. But the main, one, main reason was I didn't feel that I was really equipped to be a pastor. Right? Because to be a pastor, it means you have to really like people and you have, to be, you have to have the capacity to want to listen to people and to hear their crises and their neuroses and everything else. And that was a big challenge for me. All right? And so, I, so, so, I, so, I, so, so by the grace of God, God uh, G, uh, Steve Long, who is our, one of our leaders, he invited this guy named Terry Bone to come. 
and I had this conversation with Terry. He was sort of a, uh, he, was a he was a coaching, he, he was coaching us. So I said to Terry, you know, God's spoken to me clearly on three different occasions that he wanted me to do this. Steve is asking us to lead this church, but I don't know if I, I don't know if I have the goods, man. I don't know if I have the capacity to be a pastor. I'm actually a missionary at heart, okay? And so he says, Ramesh, here's the deal. What, what we do in the West primarily is we take this title called pastor and we slap it on the leader of the church. And, and so we expect that the leader of the church has to be pastoral, caring for people, loving people, right? And, and so what, what, what you need to figure out, Ramesh, is what kind of pastor, what kind of leader are you going to be? So it was supremely helpful. So when he said that to me, I felt, yes, I can do this. I can take this on because I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the leader that um, uh, I feel God has equipped me to be. Okay? So back to Mike Burdur. Mike showed up, uh, and he's giving his talk a couple of days ago. We were listening to it. And he made this very, he says a lot of very interesting things. He talks about, you know, the, the, he talks about the fantasy church, right? A church where, where you have fantastic meetings. You got great worship. You have goosebumpy feelings. You know, you feel the presence of God. That's a wonderful church meeting. But frankly, there's no real transformative stuff happening in people's lives. Lives aren't really being transformed um, um, so it's basically a fantasy church where you just have nice bumpy, nice goose bumpy meetings. Then there is the factory church, which is the other extreme, where it's driven by, by control and manipulation. We need to create disciples of Jesus, so let's oppress people and oppress people and squish them into doing what they're supposed to be doing. And many of you come from churches like that. I can see you nodding your heads. Uh, then he says, thirdly, there's the, there's the family church where you know we're actually a family and, uh, and we're trying to love each other and we want to spend time together we want to honor each other we want to be in each other's lives we want to spend time on the couch and we want to you know have cuddly times on the couch metaphorically speaking everybody just relax okay but 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 then the point he made about the family church is this if we have a church that's only spending its time on the couch cuddling together it's actually because it actually becomes a dysfunctional family because the the life of the family doesn't get done. The chores aren't being done, right? So we have to grow up to be. Yes, we remain a family church, but we are a functioning family church that we actually get involved in doing the chores, right? Hazy, Hazy would be a champion for that. She likes to do chores. Okay, so that's that, that's one of the things that that Mike said. But here's the thing I want to I'm getting at right now. He said in this talk. Um, that uh, uh, here's what a pastoral church is like. A pastor, a church that's led by the pastoral gift. So the person leading the church, man or woman who leading the church, is supremely pastoral. So what they do is they gather people, they care for people, and they keep people, which is fantastic, right? They gather people, they, they care for people, rub their boo-boos and everything, and it's wonderful, and they, they keep people. That's their passion. We want to keep everybody... He says, an apostolic church is a church where you gather people, you equip people, and you send people. When he said that, I almost fell off my couch. I was sitting on the couch watching him on, on the thing. I almost fell off my couch. You know why? Can you see it? Gathering, 
training, sending. Connecting, equipping, outreach. The very same idea, the very same idea, the three ideas of an apostolic church is what the Lord was telling us since this past uh, fall that, that he wants us to do. And I was thinking, everybody, that this is, this is going to be our focus for 2020. Okay, for just, for the, just for 2020, this will be our emphasis. But here's what I've come to realize. This is our DNA, everybody. We are meant to be an apostolic church. We are meant to be a church where the primary thing that we do, the primary focus of, of everything we do is fundamentally connecting people. Yes, gathering people, making sure everybody is safe and they're in a, and they're in a wonderful place and, 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 um, and then training them up and equipping them in order to fulfill their God-given destinies, both within the context of the church and beyond. And then thirdly, sending people to make a difference in their spheres of influence, whether it means across the oceans or right next door to your neighbor next door or across the hallway in your apartment building. Sending people to make a difference in the world. That's what we're about. It's not just for 2020, turns out. It's, for, it's what we're supposed to be. And that is actually jazzing me, everybody. Because when I tell you I'm, I'm, I'm a missionary at heart, this is satisfying my missionary, the cry of my missionary heart. We have to make a difference in this world. We, are, we, are, we, are, we, have, been, we have been saved uh, Bobby Connor is a prophet, and he says th that, that um, if, if we were only meant to be saved to go to heaven, there would only be two ministries required in the church. The evangelist to get you saved, and then the assassin to shoot you so you get to go to heaven. But that's not what God is calling us to. He's calling us to be in this world as redeemed people to make an impact, to touch the rest of the world with this great and glorious news of who Jesus is. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So that's, that was very uh, jazzifying for me. I just created a new word. That's jazzifying for me. We're connecting, we're equipping, we're doing outreach. Amen? And so that's that. Okay, so don't, don't get really worked up because we still will be Pastoral, okay. There are people in our midst who are very pastoral. There's Joe, uh, there's Anna when she's well. There's David. There's Joy. There's other people who are very pastoral, and they will be happy to look you in the eyes and listen to all of the things that you're going through and pray with you. And I don't know, if, I don't know if there's going to be any accountability, but there will be, you know, good. They'll listen to you, okay. There'll be people who will be involved in teaching. We're, we're all about teaching people. And, and we have evangelists around us. Who, we have some evangelists who want to share the gospel. So all those things will be happening. But fundamentally, we are going to be, we are an apostolic church. Making sense, everybody? Everybody good with that? So the point I'm, the, the reason why I'm bringing all of that up is to say that my job, the job of, of me and Elsie, my, my job and Elsie's job and the leadership team of this church is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. All right, we'll spend a few minutes on this passage. We are here to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Uh, let's just read this. Uh, this is a fairly well-known verse in the scriptures. Uh, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service 
so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach. Say all, everybody. All reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What an incredible piece of scripture right there. What is the end goal? What is the end goal of what Paul just wrote here, the Apostle Paul? The, the, the clue to the answer is in the question. What is the end goal of what Paul just wrote there? Anybody want to tell me? What is the end goal? End goal. What is the end goal of this, of this passage of Scripture? What is the end goal? Thank you for the whole measure becoming, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's the end goal of why God has given apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists to equip the body so we all grow up, we all begin to function in our gifting, function in our callings, so that we, we gain a greater knowledge of who Jesus is, we step into a greater, we reach a greater measure of unity, the end result being that there'll be a whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Can you imagine what a church that is full, a whole measure, whole measure, not a quarter measure, or a half measure, or eight, five-eighths of a measure, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Can you imagine a church? By the way, it's about speaking about a church, not individuals, speaking about a church that attains the whole measure of Christ. What would a church look like that, is, that has attained the full measure of Christ? Is anybody with me? Are you following what I'm trying to get at? What would, what was a, church, what would a church look like that is full of Jesus? It'll be dynamite. It'll be awesome. It'll be radical. It'll be world it'll be world impacting because we will resemble jesus so much in every way we will be we'll be full of signs wonders and miracles we'll be able to feed the five thousand we'll, we'll see food multiply we'll see amazing miracles happening we'll be living a tremendous supernatural life but also we'll be living with the same capacity that jesus did Right? So, so when problems come along, we'll know how to deal with problems. We want, we're already going to lose faith and confidence in the goodness of God when we stub our toe or when we have a major crisis in our lives. Right? We'll, we'll, have, to, we'll, we'll have the same character qualities that Jesus had. Wouldn't that be an awesome church? Has there been a church like that? in the history, in the 2,000 years of history of the church. Has there been a church like that? Eh? Yes. Eng says yes. That's why Eng is my friend. Uh, Eng says yes, there has been a church like that. The early church, I would say the early church was like that. We won't take time to look at it right now because I have in the past, but Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and following to 47, um, gives a summary statement of what the church, the early church, after Pentecost happened, Right, follow me. Acts chapter 2, Pentecost happened. Boom, the Holy Spirit lands on the church. Uh, Peter stands up and gives a, a, tr a tremendous message. This is not what you suppose. These men are not as drunk as you suppose, right? And he goes in this tremendous uh, message, his first public uh, preach. And it says 3,000 people come to Christ because of what he preached. 
And then later on in Acts chapter 2, it says, this is what the church looked like. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were, they, they were committed to prayer. They were, they were devoted to uh, a fellowship together, coining, like meaningful, deep koinonia, heart fellowship, right? And not surface stuff that we're so accustomed to in, in our, our culture. It's deep, meaningful, heart-to-heart, trans, uh, trans, what's the word I'm looking for? Transparent, vulnerable, open-hearted, meaningful connections with each other, where there's trust built, where there's, where there's, where there's a, a commitment to serving and helping and growing each other. That's what a church looked like. It goes on to say in that passage, Acts chapter 2, that great signs and wonders were done by the hands of the apostle. And it says further on that uh, uh, favor, great favor rested upon a church. Great favor what would it look like for a church in Scarborough in 2020 to, to have the favor of the people? People would look at Scarborough, catch the fire in Scarborough, or any church in Scarborough and say, oh my gosh, those guys, I don't know exactly what's going on there. They have some strange things. They eat somebody's body and drink somebody's blood. They do that in their church, but there's something amazing about them, right? I want to find out more about who they are. I want to come and check them out. Some of you will get so excited about everything that you want to invite your friends to church. That would be awesome. So, all that to say, friends, I have a dream. And the dream is that we can recapture. I'm I'm committing myself to this. I I want to recapture uh, the ability or the capacity of the church to be a church like that, right? To be a church like that, where, the, where there's strong connections with each other, where there's no sense of, um, you know, backbiting, no competition, um, you know, there's no, no comparison, there's no, there's no, well, yeah, when, offenses will happen. Let's not be ridiculous. Offenses will happen because we're human beings. But we, 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 we will implement the tools uh, to deal with offenses when they do happen. So we'll exercise forgiveness, right? We aren't going to hold on to our, our bitterness. We aren't going to become bitter and judgmental. We'll be forgiving. We'll be gracious. We'll be kind to each other. We'll, we'll high step over offenses. Like, like I said the last couple of weeks, this is not pie in the sky, guys. Guys, I know that it's not going to be easy because we're, we'll be working against a whole bunch of natural and supernatural obstacles. One of the obstacles, a very simple one, is just the fact that we're so different people, man. Some of us come from different parts of the world. Some are Africans. You know, we have Sumto classing up the joint with a with beautiful African dress. Is that an African dress, Nigerian? Uh, so Africans, we have Indians, we have every kind of people. So, so culturally, we're different. Personality-wise, we're different. We have different kinds of giftings, right? Some people like this kind of, of some people like Apollos, some people like Paul, some people like, like the other guys, you know? And we, so we, have, we all have our preferences. So it's not going to be easy. But the challenge is that if... We can keep the unity of the spirit. We can actually we grow up, right? Until until we all reach. So so or, uh, earlier on in the passage, Paul talks about guarding or keeping the unity of the spirit, which meant 
the, by just instinctively, the unity of the Spirit has been given because you have the Spirit, I have the Spirit, and so there's a unity of the Spirit. But then he says here in this, in this, in this passage, until we all reach unity in the faith. So, that, so, so there's a guarding of what the Holy Spirit's given, but it's also a working together to get to that unity of the faith. So it's guarding and keeping the unity of the Spirit, but it's working towards the unity of the faith. So that together, with all of our diversity and all of our giftings and everything else, we can show the world that, you know, the, the world that's shouting about unity and diversity, and we want unity, and, and it's a fake sort of unity, because it's all, all about political correctness and nobody, uh, nobody, uh, you know, nobody being negative towards each other or, or, or whatever. But that, that's a fake unity. There's a real unity which we work together based on biblical principles of forgiveness, of confession, etc., etc. So that's what we're after. Are you guys on board with this? I have a dream, everybody. I believe we can get there. I believe we can do this. And that's what I'm giving myself to. No dissenting voices. Here's something I came across recently. And I, I, what I do is whenever I see a, a, a quote that I really like, I copy it and put it into my notes in my, on my phone or my iPad. And I, all, I, try, to, I try to, you know, cite who, where I got it from. This one, I actually don't know where I got it from. So I'm saying it, some, someone wise said this. That's the name of the guy who said it, someone wise. He's from Nigeria. <laughs> Church is not an organization you join. It is a family where you belong. That's what we are pursuing. We're a family. It's a home where you're loved. It's a hospital where the pastoral work is done and the inner healing work is done and it's wonderful. Where the hospital, uh, we find healing. It's a school where you are equipped to become the best version of you in Christ. Isn't that good? I want to help everybody I can, limited though I am, I want to help everybody I can to become the best version of Christ that they can be. Right? So we're going to be equipping people as best as we know how to be uh, their, the best version that they can be. Hallelujah. Finally, equipping for life and ministry in Catch the Fire in catch very values and culture. We are a catch the fire church after all, and so we do have certain distinctives that God has given uh, uh, to us to, to sort of help us identify who we are. And we used to call them the fire values. I won't take time to explain all those things, but, it, but, but we've come to, to love these kinds of messages and these kinds of revelations that have formed who we are today, both as a church, as a movement, but also Elsie and me. We've been totally impacted, radically impacted by the revelation of God as a loving Father. That's one of the things, of all the things, we that's changed me the most, changed my heart the most. Now you, you hear me saying this a million times, I keep on saying it. It has nothing, nothing to do with knowing theologically or doctrinally that God is, is, is God's Father, right? That's easy to, to know. But the, the reality is that the heart is a slow learner. See, one, one of the troubles we have in Western culture, Western world, is when we hear something, when we hear a message, or, or we, we go to a class and we hear something, it goes into our mind, we think we know it. 
because, it's, it's because we've heard it. But in actual fact, biblically, you only know something when it becomes part of your core, part of your heart, part of who you are, the place from which you live your life. And so when I talk about knowing God as Father, it means knowing God deep down on the inside as our good, loving, heavenly Father. And so when we live our lives, we see the fruit of it. You can say, I know God as Father with your lips, but I will know for sure from the evidence of your life, the way that you interact with your spouse or your, the people closest to you. If you, know, if you know that God is your loving Father, there'll be a security in your life, there'll be a, a settledness on the inside, and it will impact the way you relate to other people, right? It won't be based on insecurity or judgmentalism or, or any of those things. So knowing God as loving Father, intimacy is huge for us. That's why we're fasting, because we want to we wanna go even deeper, into a deeper level of intimacy with Jesus. I want that, man. I want that. I want to go deeper with Jesus, don't you? There's so much more. That's what the passage is saying. We're growing, the passage I just read. We're growing towards a deeper knowledge of Christ. We, we never get there. We're always on this journey to, grow, to go deeper in Him. You know, the founding pastor of this movement, he said a long time ago, he said one of the biggest regrets, he was a Christian for I think 40 years, he says, before he came to the revelation, the, the realization of how kind God is. Can you imagine being a Christian, Bible-believing, Holy Spirit-thumping, Bible-thumping Christian, telling people God loves you, but not really knowing in your heart how kind God is. He really is kind. He's not, a, he's not a big cop in the sky ready to whack us over the head when we do something wrong. I can testify to something very similar, you know. Um, well, the way I say it, I love the fact that I'm discovering that God is the most non-religious person that there is, everybody. He's the most non-religious person that there is. You know, we, we think that we have to, when, we, when we're praying, we have to have a certain posture, or I don't want to go down that road too far, but, but, you know, when I first began to, to, to hear this teaching a bunch of years ago about, you know, hearing, hearing God's voice, right? They were saying, here's what, here's what you have to do. You have to sit down, find a quiet place, sit down, get a notebook, get a pen, have some nice, you know, quiet music, ins instrumental music playing in the background, and then just ask God a question. Write down the question, God, what do you think of me? So I did that, because I wanted to hear the voice of God. I was a missionary, I'd been a Christian for a long time, but I wasn't c clear on the fact that I was hearing God. So I, so I did that, I sat down, and, I, and, I, and, and I'm sitting there, God, what do you think of me? And it says, my son, and I heard my thoughts my own, it sounded like my own thoughts, okay? It didn't sound like Charlton Heston or anybody. It was just like a, my own thoughts. Uh, my son, I love you. That's what I heard. God, come on, man, give me something more juicy than that, all right? I need to have a, a fresh, a new revelation that I can, I can uh, teach and I can write books on and make movies or make, you know, documentaries and make some money off of it. Give me some more juicy. Give me something more juicy, God. So I, so I go again. Lord, what do you think of me? Ramesh, I love you. 
God, what are you telling me this for? I know this already. I've been to seminary, man. I read the book. I know you love me. And this faint, so as I'm shouting at God, not really shouting, but you're talking, speaking clearly to God. <laughs> I'm, hearing, I'm hearing this whisper. I'm going to keep on telling you this until you begin to know it in your heart, until you begin to believe it in your heart. Right? He, he even, t talking about the, the non-religious thing, here's, here's, where, here's what I'm getting at. Even in that process, I heard God sing to me a secular song. Everybody. This is God, the holy God of heaven. He's, he knows secular songs. He says, shall I sing it for you? <laughs> In a key of C or whatever. Uh, I have no idea what that means. You are so beautiful to me. Can't you see? You were everything I hoped for. He sang it much better than that. Just really, okay. But God sang a secular song to me. Do, do, can you imagine? I mean, it doesn't, it, it probably wouldn't make an impact on you now. But then, back then, in my very cloister, very super religious, you know, you got to dot the I's and cross the T's, and you got to be totally perfect before God, can be, can, before God can love you or be close to you or even speak to you. You know, that was my, that was my mentality. But God is singing to me love songs. It just blew my mind. I was asking God for direction one time. Here's another example. I was asking God, asking God for direction one time, like a major life uh, shift, uh, career shift. And I got a dream. I got a dream. And in the dream, an Indiana Jones <laughs> movie comes into my dream. I'm praying and asking God to give me direction. I go to bed and I get this dream. And it's this dream about Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Doom. Is that the one where he goes across the, the uh, chasm? He's looking for the Holy Grail. That's the one with the Holy Grail. You remember that one? So, he, so he's standing there and there are lots of uh, booby traps. He gets to the last one and it says that um, he realizes that he has to take a step. There's, there, there's a huge, a huge chasm. There's a uh, big distance between him and the next and the, the, the thing, and um, so he steps out into thin air, supposedly thin air. But as soon as he put his foot out, there was a bridge there that he couldn't see with his eyes, but was actually always there. Anyway, that's another, another story for another time how God led me very, very clearly. But the point I'm making is that God is not religious, everybody. He knows everything, but everything is involved in everything, and he, he can speak to us a multitude of ways. Just be attentive to who he is and the way he speaks to us. And he's totally awesome, and he's loving, and he's, he's uh, so, so good. And so beyond our comprehension, we, we, we have no clue how kind and how good he is. And his deepest longing of his heart is that we would know just how good he is. And I want us to be an example. I want us to work, uh, I want us to work towards, as a body, to being an example. So people looking in can see what God is really like. I want us to be able to represent God well. 
in this day, in this hour, especially when the church, the culture sees the church as irrelevant, as archaic, as old-fashioned. You, you don't have progressive views, man. You guys are old-fashioned. You're believing in a book that's 2,000 years ago. We want to show them that, that, that God is eternal. His, so his values of, of 2,000 years ago are still relevant and operable today. And still good for human flourishing. You live the way he designed for us to live, and we will flourish in our lives, isn't it? Okay, I've said a lot. Uh, so we're equipping, we're equipping people not just for ministry in, in, power, in the power of the Spirit, but also we're, we're, we're equipping people to deal with life's hurts, to know how to deal with life's hurts. How many people have been hurt by life? How many people have hurt somebody else? Okay. The Lord has given us ways to know how to deal with hurts. So we don't have to carry hurts of life all the way through with us. You know, whenever, let me give you a quick example. Whenever my wife and I have a tiff, sometimes it's a shouting match, okay? Uh, I don't always do this, but here's what I've learned to do. When I've calmed down, when, when I've given myself a time out, um, what I do is I ask God, Lord, why did I respond in anger like that? I can easily say, I can easily give the reasons. She was wrong. She said something wrong. She didn't understand what I was saying. She's a horrible wife. She's not submissive. She doesn't care for my. She doesn't care for me. I can make all those lists of things. But here's what I do: I, I step back and I say, Lord, why did I respond in anger like that? And if I give myself enough time, if I give the Holy Spirit enough time, He's going to show me that my overreaction had nothing to do with the conversation with Elsie. It had everything to do with a button. It, had everything do, everything, it has everything to do with a button that was pressed that related to something even in my childhood. Do you understand? And so now I get a chance not just to go and ask her for forgiveness. and We, 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 uh, we um, uh, patch things up. But I also get a chance to ask God to show me how, how I can overcome or deal with that, that hurtful situation from my youth. And this is a big part of what we do at Catch a Fire. So we can walk in a measure of wholeness. So we don't have to be reacting all the time to issues of life. We can, we can be proactive in life. Amen? Okay. What do you guys want to do now? Are you guys on board with this, everybody? Are you want to be, do you want to be part of an apostolic church that, that where we, we, we commit to connect? We want to train people up. We want, to, we want people to step into their destiny. We want people to make an impact on this world. If you're, if you're in agreement, you can stand as a sign that, yes, I want to be part of a movement like this. And what I'll do is I'll ask us to, maybe I have a slide. How come it moved away, everybody? Okay, never mind that. Here's what we do. We just, just simply gather together. First of all, let's just before the Lord and nobody else. You're in your space right now. Just if you
you need to close your eyes or whatever, just close your eyes. And we're grateful to you, Father, for revealing yourself to us to be a good, good Father, good and kind Father. And even when you correct us, Lord, it's in your love, it's in your desire for us to be more like your precious son. And so I ask, or we ask together, Lord, would you, would you lead us? Would you strengthen us? Would you enable us? Would you empower us? Would you give us your grace? Grace upon